Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. The Word of the Lord is found in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to begin reading with verse 11. This is the very touching story of the son who left his father's house and after a period of time came back home. Luke 15, 11, then he said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with a prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he was in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Now notice, but when he came to himself, would you say those words with me? But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And then very quickly, two verses from Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 3. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to everybody. Truly, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Notice, madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. I'd rather be a living dog than a dead lion. My subject today is simply entitled, Temporary Spiritual Insanity. Temporary Spiritual Insanity insanity and you may be seated a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday we spoke a word into this church that we felt like God was taking us into a season of spiritual recovery spiritual renewal this season right now and we're seeing some of the effects of it we're seeing some of the fruit of it People are coming that have been trodden down. People are coming that have been discouraged. 
A call has gone out from heaven to those that have been away from God. Maybe you've never left the church, but in your heart you've been far away. And God is restoring those who've been discouraged, those who are upset, those who've been frustrated, those who've been fed up with God, fed up with the church, fed up with, relig with organized religion, fed up with people in general. Whoever that call is going out to and whoever will hear that call, whether they're in this room or beyond the walls of this room, the Lord is saying that restoration will be quick. Restoration will be complete. Restoration won't take a long time. God is going to restore people. They're going to be reborn. They're going to find a level of joy, fulfillment, and relationship with Christ that they've never known. And so the purpose of this simple message today is to send it out into the cosmos, if it were. Amen. I want to send this message out today into the cosmos. It may not be for one single person here today, but on the other hand, it may. But if this message inspires you, receive it into your heart. If it inspires you and you think of someone that needs to hear something like this message today, I want you to give them a report of it or get the CD and take it to them because I know what the Holy Ghost is saying. And this is a time of renewal. It's a time of restoration. It's for time to people to come back into the embrace of a loving Father as we have felt His love here today. Can you clap your hands and say praise the Lord? Is it just me, or do you ever do anything dumb? I thought it was just me. Y'all are making me feel better about myself. You ever do anything just crazy, insane, and after you did it, you say to yourself, what was I thinking? That's going to be the name of my book when I retire think I'm kidding you that's going to be it what was I thinking the subtitle is the memoirs of a man who suffered from intermittent temporary insanity I've done some crazy things I've actually looked for my glasses while they were on my face all over the house I've actually touched an iron to see if it was hot but I didn't just touch it with one finger I touched it with you know one would have been enough you gotta understand I was four years old but nevertheless I uh, was in my Delta 88 some remember that old white car I had I was at Taco Bell I got lunch to go steering wheel in one hand taco in the other forgot about the rearview mirror and everybody else around me I'd crank my car to pull out you know, self-inflicted wounds in your car are the most painful. I smashed my left front quarter panel up against a concrete light pole base, and I drove that car like that. I collected the insurance money and drove that car like that for about four years. I actually backed my wife's car into a tree at Warren and Leanna Habner's house, smashed the bumper. That's not so bad, but that was when... The, light, the sensor was going off. Beep, 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 beep. Thought, What's that sound? <laughs> I had a flat tire and a little red Nissan I had when we lived in Raytown. I changed the tire. Apparently didn't tighten the lug nuts down tight enough. Coming home late one night, 
my car came to a screeching halt as my right front tire just passed me on by and just <laughs> just kept moving on down the road while I was preaching many years ago I was talking about how we need to study our enemy the Bible says don't be ignorant of Satan's devices and I was just preaching a hundred miles an hour and I wanted to say we need to know our enemy and I said we need to know our enema <laughs> needless to say that was the end of that sermon and those are just a few of the less embarrassing dumb things that I've done you'd be more impressed with the things I'm not gonna tell you that I've done I've known some people that have done some pretty insane things for example my brother was shaving one sleepy morning with an electric razor and he realized that his eyebrow was itching and he just scratched the itch with his electric razor and took his eyebrow right off. My wife's oldest brother was ordering fish and chips and he said, could I have fries instead of chips? He's from Arkansas. You all never had fish and chips, that's fish and french fries. One preacher friend of mine was giving a good Wednesday night Bible study. He had some people that were kind of getting a little bit out of control during the worship time. Nothing like we've seen today. I, I haven't seen anything that was out of control. Maybe to some of you it might be, but it's not to me. But um, uh, these people were running the aisles and running into each other. These people were, you know, they're the kind of people that when you build a new church, they want to bank the corners <laughs> and things were getting out of control so he came down with a good Bible study and he straightened out those people and said you know we need to be do everything decently in order and he was in the will of God to do that however that next Sunday he got a little bit excited on the platform he got to hopping around and gotten rejoicing praise the Lord and he bumped up against the pulpit and knocked it right off the platform He about resigned his church over that. <laughs> A name that some of you might recognize, R.L. Klepper, was pastoring in Superior, Wisconsin. His son, Dr. Ray, was sharing this with me. His dad was teaching on the children of Israel coming up out of Egypt. And he said, uh, God sent, his voice was real low, he said, then God sent the plague of the boils. He said, church, I want you to know there were boils everywhere. Those poor people couldn't see. They had boils on their eyes. Those poor people couldn't work. They had boils on their hands. Those people couldn't walk. They had boils on their feet. Those people couldn't sit down. It dawned on him what he had just said. He said, they didn't have any chairs. <laughs> Crazy things can happen in church. Dumb things. Raise your hand if you've ever done something dumb. Oh, I'm feeling so. This is like therapy for me. 
The craziest thing that could ever happen in church is actually not funny. And that's when someone believes that life is better for them outside a relationship with God and outside a relationship with the people of God. The first time I paid any attention to the phrase, not guilty by reason of insanity, was on June 21st, 1982, when the verdict of President Ronald Reagan's assailant, John Hinckley, was announced. This verdict sent an outcry around the world for justice. The insanity defense can trace its roots all the way back to ancient Rome. It's been recognized for over 700 years by English courts. The insanity plea is commonly mistaken for a clinical diagnosis, but it actually is not psychiatric, nor is it a psychological term, but it is a legal term. Insanity refers to a person's state of mind at the time an offense was committed. It really means that that person was mentally disoriented when they committed the offense and therefore cannot be held criminally responsible for their actions. In the not guilty by reason of insanity defense, the counselors do not try to prove that the crime was not perpetrated by their client. They readily concur that they did the dastardly deed. But they try to support the claim of insanity by proving that their client temporarily was not in their right mind when they committed the crime. Now in the text that we read today, there is a phrase that grabs my attention. The story Jesus tells of three lost things, a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And this is what we call the lost and found chapter. If you want to know where the lost and found in the Bible is, it's in Luke chapter 15. And, and, and Jesus is really addressing three particular needs that some people might have. There are some people who are like the lost coin. And, and this woman had a dowry of coins and they would wear them in a leather band across their head and she apparently was working one day and she quickly turned and when she did a coin of her dowry flew off and it lost its place in her in the dowry and it, and it went into the floor somewhere and and so she got a broom and she began to sweep the floor and she lit a candle and she looked in the every dark corner to find that lost coin friend that is a type of a person who I would call is lost in the house they never left the house of God. They, they hear the word of God. They hear the choir. They hear the singing. They hear the testimonies, but their heart has been turned away from God. They're, they're out of place. They can't just seem to find the connect point. They're disjointed, and, 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 and that's why we have services like we have today when the presence of God just begins to gently move, and, and it begins to, to stir up people and draw people's hearts out and bring them out into the light, and, and God's desire is to restore people to the place where they need to be and I'm glad to say today that when there is a sweeping move of God it is God's desire to help you find your place in his house can you say amen, amen. and then there's certainly the lost sheep the lost sheep it has an emotional appeal it's the story of a sheep that is strayed from the flock looking for greener grass possibly 
being distracted, not realizing that the flock has moved on. And let me just tell you that churches are transient. Churches are liquid. Churches keep moving. They, they aren't stagnant. At least they ought not to be stagnant. Amen. Churches move, especially spirit-filled churches. Are you listening to me today? Amen. And we have to stay cognizant. We have to stay up to date. We have to stay uh, aware of how the church is moving and what the Lord is saying because if if we're not, it doesn't take too long in a spirit-filled and a spirit-led church to feel like we're disconnected and, and suddenly we look up from what we got all engrossed in and the flock has moved on. And, and Jesus is saying that from time to time there are strays or what they call bums that are maybe lame or that are, are slower and, and they, they got distracted and they need to be caught up. They need to be regathered and, and that's my job and that's our pastoral staff's job and it's the job of our small group leaders and our ministry directors to, to recognize people that are discouraged, that are not connected and, and to bring them back into the rightful place. Amen. And then there is the lost son the prodigal son. He told his father, I want to go find my own way. Give me what's mine, my inheritance. Hasta la vista, adios, amigos. I'm learning more Spanish. And I'm going to go find my way. So he uh, grabbed his stuff. He Walked out the door, didn't look back one time over his shoulder, he hit the road. He, he went out into the far country, he spent his money in riotous living and had lots of friends as long as he had money. But he was out of money and he was out of friends and he can't get anybody to give him anything to eat. And it was the gnawing hunger in his stomach as he's face down more or less in a pigsty and he comes to himself. And he says, that was dumb. My father's servants have food. They have bread. Maybe I could just go home and, and, and be like a servant. Like Ecclesiastes says, it came to him, I'd rather be at least a living dog who can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table than to be a, than to be a dead lion. And so the scripture says, he came to himself. Say that with me. He came to himself. What an incredibly descriptive and interesting phrase. Especially in light of who he was and where he had been and where he finds himself now. He came to himself. That must mean then that at one point he had left himself. Not to say that he had an out-of-the-body experience, but he left his right thinking. He temporarily was not thinking right. And let me just say this today, that your thoughts in your mind that dominate your mind, whatever it is that you're thinking, they are a predictor of where you're going to be five years from now. If you tell me who you hang out with, what books you're reading, and the thoughts that dominate your mind, I can predict where you're going to be in five years from now. And hopefully that would be a good prediction. Amen. Praise God. The thoughts of our mind, the old, I think it's a Chinese proverb, it says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It all starts with a thought. And he temporarily was not thinking right. Somewhere in his mind, he left reality. He forgot about 
who he was, where he had been, what he knew. And he began to venture into a world that he knew nothing about, a world that excited him, a world that allured him, a world that enticed him, a world that lifted him up and then suddenly threw him down hard and used him up and left him to die. The phrase, he came to himself, begs the question. If he came to himself, when did he leave himself? I think that answer may seem to be obvious. Well, he left, him, he left himself when he left the father's house. Oh, no, no. He started thinking about it long before he left the father's house. Can I have a better amen? He, he, emotionally, he began to detach himself. Emotionally, he started having problems probably with his older brother. Emotionally, he, he, he didn't understand what his father was trying to do when he, when he gave some direction, when he had to discipline, when he, when he had to put some rules down, when, when he had to give some expectations in the home. And over a period of time, he became disgruntled. He became agitated, frustrated, impatient, intolerant, unappreciative, unthankful. Now, my friends... I cannot imagine that this prodigal son could ever entertain thoughts of leaving a father like the kind of father that he had. This man was not abusive. This man was not a tyrant. This man was not an iron-fisted my way or the highway. I know that about this man's father because of how when the boy said, I want my inheritance, he didn't fuss with him. He didn't argue with him. He didn't debate him. He didn't say, you're nuts. You're crazy. Get a life. You know. No. He knew the boy was entitled to it. He, uh, he gave it to him. Amen. That sounds like Jesus to me. That sounds like Jesus to me. Listen, Jesus loves you enough to let you go. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what do I need to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you need to obey the commandments. He said, I've done all those since I was a pup. No big deal. And he said, what do I lack yet? And he said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. The Bible said he walked away sorrowful. Jesus let him walk away. Friend, if Jesus wasn't that way, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't want anything to do with him. If he didn't let me exercise my free will, can I tell you something? God doesn't want a bunch of mind-numb robots. He doesn't want people that he just plugs in and, and sets the computer program and then they just clang on like a machine. Oh, no, friend. He wants people that don't just rend their garments, but they rend their hearts. He wants to be served by people who get it, people that understand that he's benevolent, that he's forgiving, that he's real, that he's honest, that he's transparent, that he's close, that he's personal. This is the kind of a God that we're worshiping today, a God who embraces us. How could I ever walk away from a God like that? Amen. Not only that, but the Bible says that when the son was coming back, the father saw him afar off. I don't think the father went and looked once a month, and it happened to be the day out of 30 days that he looked and happened to see the son. Oh, no, friend. 
I think every day since the boy left, that father, when he'd get up in the morning, maybe having his tea or his coffee and, and reading the newspaper or whatever, whatever he did, his routine, he would just take a gaze out over the horizon. I know that's the spot right there between those two hills where my son left, and that's where I'm going to keep my eyes fixed. And every time he'd come by, amen, across the front porch, he'd happen to look at that spot. That's why, friend, when he saw the boy, he would have been looking for him. He had been watching for him. That's not a father who said, well, bless God, that little irreverent, rebellious jerk. I'm glad to get his lousy behind out of my house. Oh, no, friend. He was looking for him since the day he left. And I can tell you, friends, that's the kind of a God that we serve. Amen. He longs for us. He wants relationship with us. If we decide that we've had enough with church, we're taking a time out from organized religion. We've had enough of it. I can tell you that from the day you walk away, your heavenly father's pacing the porch. He's not. He's missed you every day you've been gone. He's looking for you. He wants to restore you. He's got an embrace and a kiss and a party to throw for you when you come back. That's the kind of a God that he is. I'm preaching to people today that know about the power of forgiveness. I'm preaching to people today that know the love of a father. Amen. When, 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 when that father saw that son, he didn't work him over. Well, it's about time you come back. I knew you. I knew you'd come back. Oh, no. He ran to him. Praise God. And I don't think it was one of these. Oh, no. He took off. There's my son. He took off and he ran. I don't know if the son ran to him, but he ran to his son and he grabbed him and he embraced him and he wept tears of joy. That's why I know that this boy had a dad that you wouldn't want to forsake. Now, I realize that I'm preaching to people today. You cannot relate to a father like that. I'm preaching to sweet people today that your earthly father, your father figure, your stepdad, you don't know anything about that kind of a dad. I've, I've wept tears today in the prayer room. First of all, a thanksgiving for me because God blessed me to be raised in a godly home. I know that kind of a father. It was easy for me to get that picture of my heavenly father but I know that there are some here today you don't get you can't make the connection you can't make the connection but can I tell you that 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 is what the devil would like to use to keep you blinded to keep your relationship on a roller coaster ride sometimes you think God wants to blast you sometimes you think he's dangling a carrot out in front of you you think that you've got a performance-based experience with God and when you do good he loves you and when you don't do good he doesn't love you can I tell you something friend those are all goofed up messed up concepts of the way that God loves and the way that he cares hallelujah he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance he is benevolent he is forgiving he is loving you think about the kindest man you've ever met you think about the kindest soul that you know and I can tell you that the God who's in this place that's the way that he is and even a hundred times more he said I've written you in the palms of my hands and I spread out my arms as far as I could get and I said father forgive them for they know not what they do if you want to know how much Jesus 
Jesus loves you. Just get a picture of him on the cross. Even though we take his name in vain. Even though we've sinned. Even though we've transgressed. Even though we've disappointed ourselves in God. He's still there to embrace us. He's still there to love us and to bring us back into relationship with him. Can I tell you today that if you have or if you are entertaining thoughts of leaving the Father's house and more importantly, leaving relationship with the Father, you're not thinking right. You're suffering from temporary spiritual insanity. It's insane. It's insane to think that we don't need the relationship with the Father. It's insane to believe that we can make it on our own. You're not thinking right if you're thinking, if I could just get the church in my rear view mirror, then I would find happiness. What was this young man thinking? What was going through his mind? Was it the influence of a friend? Was it getting his feelings hurt? Was it becoming disappointed in the, in the father's direction? Was he weary of living up to the expectations of other people? Was he just wanting to find himself? You see, for all of the issues that a local congregation may have and for all the issues that a kingdom of God may have, there's nothing like relationship in the father's house. There's nothing like going to bed at night and saying good night to Jesus. There's nothing like waking up in the morning and you've got sanity in your mind. Did you know that 90% of all people in insane asylums and mental institutions, 90% are there because of a root of bitterness and unforgiveness that, draws, that drives them nuts. It drives them crazy. And we heard a wonderful lesson today on getting the anger out of our hearts and getting that junk out of our spirit. Friend, the only way to keep your sanity, the only way to keep your right mind is to release the pain of the past and to let those that have forsaken you and let you down and the people that were hypocrites and, and the people that, crea that created this image of religiosity, but inside they were full of dead man's bones. Listen, that's nothing new. Jesus found those kind of people in, 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 in the days of the writing of the New Testament 2,000 years ago, but oh, for every hypocrite, there's a hundred people that are so glad to be in the house of God. They're not perfect, but they're redeemed. For every hypocrite, for every Pharisee, there's a hundred people that are humbly trying to serve God and to please him in some lasting way. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Tell me where you can go in this world and be touched by the power of Almighty God. Tell me where you can go and be loved unconditionally. Tell me where you can go and have the sins of your life radically cleansed. Tell me where you can go when you've embarrassed yourself and you come back and they receive you with open arms. Tell me where you can go where somebody will care enough to pray with you who will be there for you, who will not forsake you. If you have a crazy thought floating around in your mind today or in recent days that it may be time for you to leave the Father's house, can I tell you?
be one day in the house of God than a thousand days anywhere else. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's temporary madness if, the, if your heart is telling you you don't need to come back to church, you don't need to submit yourself to that, you don't need to subject yourself to that. Can I tell you something? Brother Gary stood up here, him and his family, after he's been out of church, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, and he stood here with tears. Can I tell you something, friend? There's nothing like falling in love with Jesus. There's nothing like feeling his love again. There's nothing like being loved unconditionally without reservation. We can never take it for granted. Oh, hallelujah. A few months ago, I spoke with a friend of mine. We grew up in the same church. We went to the same youth camps. If I said his name, some of you would recognize it. He's very successful in business. He has a downtown office in Chicago in a high-rise office building. Overlooks Lake Michigan. He said, Stan, I've driven the finest cars. I've bought the finest homes. I'm successful as far as the world is concerned. I've made a lot of money. I've been all over the world. In fact, he said, I want to come and visit you in Kansas City. I want to see your church. But he said, you know what? Since I've been away from the Lord, he said, you know when I was the happiest in my life? He said, you know when I had it the best? He said, when we were 16-year-old kids and we were at Camp Galilee at Minnesota Youth Camp, and he said, I was the happiest in my life when I had my hands lifted up in the presence of God and tears were coming down my cheeks and, and I was speaking in a heavenly language. He said, that's the best it's ever been. It's never got any better than that. I said, oh, you can come back home. You're not as far from God as you want to, as you think you are, as the devil wants to think you are. I'm telling you, there is a wave of restoration right now. There is a spirit of recovery that is going out. God is drawing the prodigals. God is finding the lost coins. God is reaching for the lost sheep. It's time to come back home. It's a good time to come back home. There's food on the table. There's wine in the cupboard. It's a good time to come back home. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Temporary spiritual insanity. The wise writer of Ecclesiastes said, it's madness in their hearts while they lived. It's madness to live a life without Jesus Christ in your life. I want you to stand with me if you would please. My sweet father who's been gone 10 years now had two brothers. One name was Orion, the other was Stan. I'm his namesake. And my Uncle Stan, when he was 15 years old, he decided that he was going to run away from home. And the story goes that he walked right up to my grandmother, his mother, and said, Mom, I'm leaving home. She said, Okay. He didn't expect that. She said, Here, let, let's go in your bedroom and your suitcase is underneath your bed. He was kind of taken back by this. Man, this is easy. So 
she helped him get the little cardboard suitcase out she opened it up and she started packing some of his things she said now Stan if you want to go away from home we, you're 15 we can't hold you here you're big you're, you're, you're strong you're resourceful you're talented I'm sure you'll make it I'm sure you'll be fine but just before you go I want to take you on a little tour of the house said now this is your bedroom here's your bed bunk beds here's where your brother Orion sleeps here's where your brother Wendell sleeps you guys have instant fun instant fight here's where you do your homework here's where you play your horns together the guitar the saxophone the sousaphone and uh, here's where your dad and I come in and we say goodnight prayers with you every night and you're too big now but it's where we used to tuck you in every night so just before you go I want you to remember this bedroom and then she took him out into the kitchen she said now this is the kitchen where we have a lot of good meals together and we have Christmas dinner here and Thanksgiving dinner and all the family comes over and, and when you wake up in the morning you smell frying bacon and and I got scrambled eggs and biscuits and and you come down and I got orange juice and milk and I fix you breakfast and I just want you to take a look around son because it could be the last time you'll ever see it and she took him into the living room she said this is this is the living room this is where we have family altar on Saturday evenings your father reads the scriptures we all get down on our knees and we pray just take a look around son because it could be the last time you'll ever see it so the story goes she put the suitcase in his hand she gave him a peck on the cheek he walked out the back door it was late at night he spent the night under the neighbor's porch with an old mangy dog. Five o'clock the next morning. Mom, guess what? She was right there at the door. Oh, welcome back, Stan. I'm so glad you've come back home. There's another part to that story. My Uncle Stan went off to the military he joined the merchant marines he got away from the Lord and for 50 years he lived in a backslidden state didn't go to church didn't pray didn't read his Bible had no relationship with God whatsoever his mom and dad had long passed away but do you know that the prayers of a mom and dad will never die even though they may be cold in the grave their prayers live on would you believe that when my uncle Stan after being backslid for 50 years when he was 83 years old he came back into the house of God he lifted up his hands and the power of God began to flow over his spirit again tears began to flow he spoke with other tongues he prayed through he recommitted he rededicated his life for the next 12 years he's passed away now but for the next 10 or 12 years he was the first one on his feet to stand and testify he loved the Word of God he had it all marked up he'd witness to anybody he testify friend I'm telling you amen we serve a God who is long-suffering who is patient who's plenteous in mercy are you listening to me today there's a God in this house today that's willing to receive anybody 
Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details. Thank you.